You are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, we're on the my third of a, a series that I'm doing on destiny. And we're talking about, today, worship. The part that worship plays in our destiny. Um, John chapter 4, verse 32 and uh, 23, rather, and 24. But the time is coming, and indeed it is here now. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Father, we just pray that you will make your word real to our hearts today. And let us hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. We began this series by declaring that God has a plan for our lives. This includes our physical life from the cradle to the grave. But our destiny reaches far beyond that into eternity. God has a plan for us. Last time we looked at the role of the Holy Spirit in our destiny. Today we'll look at worship. God desires that we worship Him because our eternal destiny depends on it. Our worship of the true and the living God It's God's desire, God's will, that you and I would live in abundance and prosperity. Have a prosperous life overflowing in his goodness. That's the kind of God we serve. And we want to give him our best. And he wants to give you and I his best. Living from paycheck to paycheck, being at the mercy of sickness and disease, living with constant worry and fear is not God's plan for any of us. Amen? This is why Jesus came, so that you and I could be heirs and joint heirs with him. God wants you and I to enjoy the pleasures of peace and happiness and fulfillment in every area of our lives. Many people have bought into the lie that God somehow gets glory when we struggle, when we're sick, when we're broke. Where in the world did that come from? 
No one ever found that in the Bible. Amen? That's a lie from the pit. Being broke and busted and disgusted does not glorify God. And it only makes you and I miserable. So first of all today, true worship is from the heart. We can worship in ritual. And even in our Pentecostal churches and charismatic churches and word of faith churches, we can make it a ritual. But God don't want us to make it a ritual. God wants us to worship him from the heart. And God knows the difference. Amen? Just as you and I know the difference, when our spouse says to us, they love us, we know if it's just something that's been worded or it's something that's from the heart. God knows. True worship is not defined by a place, a feeling, or a ritual. The songs we sing, the giving of tithes and offerings, volunteering, in doing the different ministries of the church, working with youth, working with children, all of these things. You're offering your gifts and your talents to the Lord. All of these things are expressions of worship. We worship God in these ways. We don't only worship God when we're in church, we worship Him everywhere. You worship him when you serve the people you work for, the company that you work for. There may be some guys that you wish wasn't on the job. You may get up in the morning and not really enjoy your breakfast, thinking about what you have to face when you get there. But we are to do everything as unto the Lord, the Bible says. And so we consider it a worship to God when we do a good day's job for a good day's pay. True worship is defined by the priority we place on who God is in our lives. It's a matter of the heart expressing love and honor and devotion to God. And there's no place we express it, I suppose, more than when we are together in a church service. And as we were singing those songs this morning and beginning to worship God, you notice how as everyone began to join in, everyone became more encouraged. And you begin to lift up your voice a little more. You begin to feel the power and the presence of God in your life. Because God loves to be in the presence of people who worship him. The Bible says that he, he inhabited the, the, the praises of Israel. When Israel, when God's people praised him, God just came nigh. He, we know that he's everywhere. 
We know that you can't go where God is not. But there's something about praise that makes it personal. Between you, it becomes intimate between you and God. True worship not only magnifies God, but it also, it's also for our own edification and strength. Builds our faith. James 4 and 8 tells us to draw near to God, and he will draw near to us. True worship helps us to develop a Christ-like character. We become like those we admire and worship. You idolize somebody, and you begin to act like them. Now, there was a time in my way in my much younger life than right now, I idolized Jimmy Swaggart. I just loved the sense of the power of the presence of God when that man got to his piano and began to sing. I loved it when I listened to him preach. And I idolized him. There came a time when me, like a whole lot of other people, realized that even Jimmy can make mistakes, can sin, can fall. But we become like those we admire and and worship. And I love God. I worship him. I want to be more like him. Amen? When we worship God, we tend to to value the things that God values and gradually take on the characteristics and the qualities of God. Of course, we never rise to his level. We never get that to that point but we become more like him and people can see Jesus in us as we become true worshipers. As Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ. How do we take on the mind of Christ? We worship him. We read his word. We pray. We give glory to him. We read in, in Romans 2, uh, 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And most of us, if, if not all of us in this room this morning, has had that experience of a renewed mind. When we come in contact with him. We begin to read his word, we begin to study, and we begin to praise him and worship him. We begin to think godly thoughts. True worship develops such traits in our lives as forgiveness, tenderness, justice, righteousness, purity, kindness, and love. There was a time in our life when most of us didn't have any of these things. It's amazing. The old timers in back in Newfoundland used to say, it's better, better felt than telt. 
It's hard to explain it. It's hard to be able to tell what takes place in our lives when Jesus Christ comes in. And it don't take months and it don't take years. I, I went, when I gave my heart to the Lord, at, well, I, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was nine years old, but I was such wishy-washy up until, until after I got married and, and, uh, and uh, Effie and I were serving the Lord together. But uh, when I gave my heart to the Lord, truly gave my heart to the Lord, there wasn't a half a dozen people that I knew that I liked. Most of them, I hated them. Outside of my own family, there wasn't very many people at all that I cared anything about. And when I'd get drunk, I wouldn't mind telling them what I thought of them. <laughs> but when Jesus came into my heart, almost instantly, I had a love for people. You can't be a pastor without loving people. You'll hate your, you'll hate your profession if you don't love people. But God put that love in my heart. The Bible talks about his love being shed abroad in our hearts. He gives us that ability to love. All of this preparing us for eternal life in heaven. Do you know there's not going to be any hatred in heaven? Not going to be any gossipers in heaven. No murder. No greed. No sickness. No pain. No marriage. <laughs> We've got a wonderful God, and he's got some wonderful things prepared for us. But if we can learn to be worshipers down here, we're just preparing ourselves for eternity. Worship is my response to God's love. Worship is giving back to God. We love him because what? He first loved us. And the Bible says that he loved us when we were sinners. We're still sinners. I mean, we, we still mess up even now that we've the blood, the blood is applied to our life. But you should have seen some of us before. And God loved us just like that. 1 John 4, 4, 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. We are commanded to love. Love God. Love neighbors. And love enemies. And God don't command us to do anything we can't do. Amen? God wants our undivided attention. Romans chapter 2, 12 verse 2 says, 
don't copy, and this is in the New, uh, New Living Testament now. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's God's desire for me. That's God's desire for you. God wants us to offer our abilities, our gifts, our talents to him as, we, as an act of worship. Colossians 3.23 uh, says, work, uh, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Worship with all that God has graced us with. That's what he wants. He has graced us with some precious gifts, and he wants us to use that in worship. Spiritual gifts. The Bible says that each one of us has our own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. And we use it all for his glory. And it helps the church to grow and be edified when we use what God has given us. We need to serve God with enthusiasm, work with enthusiasm. The Bible says it is God who works in you, inspiring both the will and the deed for his own purpose. We have uh, different vocational skills. And God works through different people in different ways. You'll notice you could have a, from wall to wall here with pastors this morning. And you let each one of them, give them the same verse of scripture. And let each one of them preach. And each one of them will preach an equally powerful message from God's word on that same scripture. And God will use the, 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 the makeup and the characteristic of that person. That you will get something from it. As a pastor, I many times, not, not a whole lot of times, but there have been many times when people, I've, we, I've had somebody come in to preach for me on a Sunday, or we've had you know, like uh, 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 evangelistic meetings or something and, and evangelists come in. And I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor, that was a great word that fellow preached. You know, I never heard that yet, but, but that was so good. And I think, you, I, I preached that last week and you didn't hear it. <laughs> Learn to accept who you are and what you are in Christ. And use the gifts that he has given you for his glory. In, 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 in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 31, 1 to 3, uh, the Lord is speaking to Moses. And he's giving them the, the instructions for the tabernacle and all of that. And so... This is what he says to Moses. He says, look, 
I have especially, specifically chosen Bezeel, the son of Uriah, uh, Uri, uh, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of craft. You see, God, you may plan in your life to, be, to answer the calling to be an electrician or a carpenter or a doctor or a lawyer, but God can enhance that desire and give you such wisdom that you can be the star of the show. Just like Agreski. He learned hockey like everybody else. But God graced that young man with something that was a little above and beyond what all of his teammates had. And God can do the same for you. He blesses you. He puts his Holy Spirit in you. And you can worship him with what he has given you. And you can be the best that you, that you, you could ever think to be or ever hope to be. With his help. And doing what he wants you to do. You know, it's not just the people who work inside of the church building that are doing ministry. We're all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The teacher is just as important as the pastor. The doctor, the lawyer, the mountie is just as important as the pastor or the evangelist. We are all a team working together for God's glory. And as we worship him with what God has given us, we are affecting our community for Christ. So learn, learn to accept who you are, what you are in Christ, minor on the, on the cans and major on the cans. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Amen? Be real. Serve God from the heart. A heart of love and worship. Who are you? Romans chapter 9 verse 20 says, Who are you? A mere human being to argue with God. Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, why have you made me like this? Be thankful that you are created. Amen? You're God's creation. God designed you because that's the way he wanted you to be. And just rejoice in that. And so as I conclude this morning, all that God requires of you and I is faithfulness. Isn't that something? All the rest, he'll work it out in my life. All I have to do is be faithful. Say, Lord, I'm available. And he'll do the rest. If I'm available, he'll make me able. We worship God because he's God. Amen.
It is appropriate to thank God for all the things that he's done for us. But our worship must be motivated because of who he is. And not just because he's a God who is wealthy and able to do anything, able to meet all my needs. That's a good reason to worship him. It's a good reason, but it's not the, the prime reason. The prime reason is because he's God. Because sometimes I'm going to ask for something. And God being loving, loving Heavenly Father will say, Son, that's not good for you. And I can get all anxious and worried over that. But if I can realize who I'm serving, who I love, He's got a plan for me. I can rest in that. Amen? What I have said thus far in this message by no means diminishes the value and the importance of corporate worship. Worshiping and praising God together encourages and edifies us. This morning, the first part of the service was hard slugging, wasn't it? But all of a sudden, somebody began to touch God. And it began to encourage somebody else. And the Holy Spirit began to, to move upon our worship team. And our brother got a hold of what God was wanting to do in this service. And led by the Holy Spirit, he encouraged that. And we began to worship. And it was all planned by God, you see. This is what God wanted to do this morning. But he couldn't do it until we responded. And as we responded, faith began to build in our hearts. And we weren't in here just concerned with our own stuff anymore. Now we were focused on God. When I broke the news to you of what Rachel and Ashley and Ariel were facing, you were ready to respond. And you see, that's happening all the time. Every time we come into this place, there is somebody in need. There's somebody that needs a healing. There's somebody that needs a touch from God. There's a marriage that's just about ready to go on the rocks. There's something happening somewhere. Some family's in need. And only the power and the presence of God is needed to put things right. And we are God's instruments. 
By God's design, he can't do anything unless you and I, his worshipers, are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. When we come into these doors, we come here to worship him. We don't come to see the pastor. We don't come to see an evangelist. We don't come to see a a special speaker. We come to see God in all of his fullness and all of his glory. We come to experience the power and the presence of God in our lives and to be used of Him. That's what it's about. Anything else is playing church. And when we play church, sooner or later, it's going to die. It's going to lose its luster. And we're going to be looking all over the place for something to fill the void that's in our heart. But there there should never be a void in my heart when I come into the presence of God, when I come into God's house, and when God's people are with me, and we're, we're worshiping God together. There's something about that that stirs my heart, that stirs within me, and I begin to believe for the impossible. We come together in service is to worship and praise God. Praise according to the scripture is an act of our will that flows out of an awe and a reverence for the creator. Every one of us, we can come in here, we can fold our arms and look around. We can criticize. We can look over on one side and say, oh, I know that guy. You should see what he did, what he was saying last week. I saw that guy over in the bar. He was drunk as a skunk last night. All of that stuff. We can focus on Jesus. Let the power of the Lord just focus and flow into me. Maybe because I am focused on Christ and I'm worshiping him this morning, maybe it'll touch that brother or that sister that I know that they've got some problems. But who don't have problems? Who is so, so good this morning that they, that they will be able to cast the first stone? None of us. There's a song we used to sing one time, only a sinner saved by grace. Not what I've gotten, but what I've received. Jesus has saved me. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I worship him for that. As we focus our minds on God and proclaim his goodness, we reflect his glory back to him. And results can fill you and I with peace and contentment. The more we worship God, the more we encounter him in intimate ways. And the more we encounter him in intimate ways, the more we are inspired to worship. Would you stand with me this morning? Musicians, if you'll go back, worship team, go back to the thing. A couple of those songs that we're singing, that, there's two of them there that are, I, I'm sure you've, you've got it already. But we just want, first of all, as we're standing here right now, now there's a whole lot of ways we can worship God. We Pentecostals are, are famous for our, our vibrant worship shouting and dancing. 
But I want you to know that there are people, there are people in this room right now who've never shouted very loud, but they know how to get in touch with God. And I just want us for a moment to join in with those people and just quietly focus on him right now and experience the worship that they experience and the blessing that they experience in the quietness before God. Don't ever be afraid of quietness. Don't be ever afraid of of stillness. God can move in the stillness. Sometimes we're so busy talking, so busy shouting, that we miss what God is saying. See, God can touch everyone with all of our different makeup, different characteristics, God can minister to us. And in this right now, people are being ministered to tremendously by the power of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.